This episode of the Bar Star Podcast is proudly brought to you by Louisville Music Studios. Located at 4220 Trio Avenue in Louisville, Kentucky. Zip code is 40219. And the phone number for booking is 502-693-7462. Louisville Music Studios is awesome. That is where my home base is for my new secret project. And uh, they have been amazing. The staff is amazing. David Payne has worked on a really, really cool concept and brought it to life. Uh, And he is constantly making changes over there. It's an awesome place. You guys need to go check it out because not only is it an awesome place, but they're giving away something for free. David and I had a conversation and he decided to extend our offer with a two-hour minimum. If you call that number for booking to book some rehearsal time, you will get your first hour for free. Free shit. Who doesn't like free shit? We're musicians. Most of us are broke. So check them out. If you have not checked out Louisville Music Studios yet, you need to. Like I've said before, you can go in and rehearse for a couple hours. You can rehearse for an afternoon. You can set up a monthly rental so you can have a home base to work on I don't know secret projects whatever you want to so Louisville Music Studios is awesome you need to go check them out staff is amazing the gear is amazing the room is amazing I love them they love me and uh, everything is just sunshine and fucking puppies oh yeah enjoy this episode of the show the bar star podcast is a show that aims for something a little different it's hosted by a drummer who thinks he's a musician but let's be honest I know and you know that drummers are not musicians, right? Or are they? Hang on a second. Who wrote this crap? This is garbage. Nobody's going to listen to a show put on by somebody they haven't heard of. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of the Bar Star Podcast. I am your host, Stephen O'Reilly. I want to thank you guys for taking the time to come back once again to hang out with my dumbass. I appreciate the followers and the supporters and the listeners and everything that falls in between those weirdo fucking categories. You guys are awesome and I appreciate it. I hope everybody is doing well. I hope everybody had a good week. And as always, I hope you guys went out and did some shit. Please take a minute to check out my sponsor, Privacy Inc., and my other sponsor, Louisville Music Studios. Uh, Both of them are awesome, and if you go into the shop at Prophecy, or if you call the number for booking at Louisville Music Studios, mention the Bar Star Podcast at Prophecy Inc., you will get 10% off your tattoo. And at Louisville Music Studios, with a two-hour minimum, you will get your first hour for free. So I'm giving you guys some free shit and a 10% discount on your tattoo. So that is awesome. Thank you, all of you that have gone to Amazon by using the link on my website. I appreciate it. Uh, If I could get more of you to do it, I would love you a long time. Oh my god, you guys are so cute. All you gotta do, go to my website, barstarpodcast.com. In the lower left-hand corner of every page is a link to Amazon. It's basically going to Amazon using the front door of my website. 
and you can go buy your normal books, movies, music, whatever you buy, whatever you're into, and they just kick back a little bit of money to me. Helps out the show that I do bring you for free every week, and uh, it would be greatly appreciated if you would keep doing that. You guys are awesome, awesome, awesome. Today on the show, I got to hang out with a gentleman by the name of Lauren Fountain. Lauren and I did not know each other very well when we sat down to do this show. Um, He came out, he was one of the gentlemen that I found when I was looking for a guitar player, a second guitar player for my secret project. And uh, he did not work out. Uh, It was business, it was not personal, and we actually talk about that in the show. But I wanted to have him on because he's a cool dude, he's got a cool story, And uh, he's been all around the horn, as the old Texas people say. Uh, He spent a lot of time in Texas. He was, like me, he was born in Syracuse, which is awesome, fellow New Yorker. And uh, spent a lot of time in Texas, and he moved to Louisville in 2001. And he plays around town. Uh, He plays in the Allen Lane Band, which you can find on Facebook, uh, he also plays in a band called Your Second Favorite Band, which is the coolest fucking name ever. You can find them on Facebook or at Y2NDFB. And the two is the number two. So Y2NDFB.com. Lauren, dude, that's a fucked up website. Uh, that is a cool name for a band. He also plays pedal steel with gentleman by the name of Chris Moondog Hall. You can find him on Facebook or you can go to moondoghall.com. And on the third Sunday of every month from 2 to 4, you can catch him hanging out the Louisville Metro Steel Guitar Club, which is at the Okalona VFW post number 8639. It's on Lambert Road in Louisville, Kentucky. Done plugging all your shit, Lauren. You better send me a check. He's a good dude. We had a cool conversation. We just talked about a lot of different things. Uh, we went all over the map, and then at the end of the show, he actually kind of took control and asked me some questions, which was kind of cool. So I hope you guys get something out of this. Uh, it's a cool conversation I had with Lauren. He's a good dude. He's a great player, great guitar player, great steel player. Uh, so you should definitely check him out if you've never heard of him. Find out where he's playing. Go see him. Go support him. Go hang out with him. And uh, that's all I got. I uh, I will see you, or you will hear me. Technically, you will hear me, because I ain't seeing shit, except this wall I'm staring at. Such a pretty wall, though. Oh, my God, this wall is so cute. You guys will hear me on the other side of this. Enjoy my conversation with Lauren C. Fountain. Put it in. <laughs> It's fucking terrible or terribly awesome. I'm not real sure. All right, all the numbers are going. The battery is full. Um, yeah, I erased that other part because I'm fucking dumb. I decided I was not going to put new batteries in, and then I figured out I needed new batteries. Maybe I should just buy a plug for this thing. So I'm sitting in my studio at LMS, Louisville Music Studios, where my secret project rehearses. And I am sitting with my pseudo-buddy, and I say pseudo because we don't know each other that well, one Mr. Lorne Fountain. What's up, man? Not much, man. Thank you for having me here today. Thanks for coming over. Thanks for hanging out. I like your chucks, by the way. Hey, you know, a man with chucks is a man that's 
going to be approved by a lot of people. That is so true. And and in my other recording that I had to delete, you said you pulled yours out of the box yesterday, and I pulled mine out of the box this morning, so I win. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, you got the bigger bitch move right out of the gate. Of course I do. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> I got to do what I can to get the upper hand, damn it. Okay. I'm so. Your- you're my what? <laughs> I said just your minion for the interview. <laughs> yes, let's see. You are my minion. Oh, you will do it, I say. Um, no, we actually met. I messaged you. I'm going to give everybody a quick history, and then we're going to have a conversation because you have a pretty cool story. Um, we met a month or two ago, however long ago it was. I messaged you out of the blue on Facebook because um, I was looking for another guitar player for my secret project. And... You answered me, and I think you said something to the effect of your friends with Kevin McCreary, that's all I need to know, which yep. I thought was awesome, which we will definitely talk about that. Um, so you came out, and you played with us, and it didn't work out, had nothing to do with you. We had some other people that had come back two or three times, and that's what all that shit was. But business when I, is business. Yeah, it's business, yeah. and I knew you didn't take it personal, but that's how we met. So yeah. I texted you. When I told you that you didn't get the spot, and I said, but I'm not done with you. I want you to be on the show. And you were actually excited about it. So thank you. I appreciate yeah. that. Well, thank you. And thank you for being pro and not taking shit personal. Yeah. And that's, <laughs> yeah. I get so fucking tired and, of that. And that's one thing. It's like, like I said, business is business. And I, it's, after you've been in the music scene or business, we'll say, for a while, that, you know, the first couple of times when you, somebody's like, well, we're picking someone else, you get all bitched up and everything about it. It's like, <laughs> You know, and it's like, you know, your ego is like, oh, I must suck or you know, I'm better than these guys could ever be, blah, blah, blah. But after you've been around for a while, you're like, you know, instead of just slam the door on that opportunity ever again, if you leave it open and become uh, a fan of that band or somebody that's like positive. <laughs> just to just them, support just a, them. Yeah. And that's and that's what it's supposed to be all about. And. So I was like, hey, you know, if something happens, you guys need somebody to fill in, definitely give me a call. Absolutely. And uh, if you know anybody else that needs, you know, a hired, hired hand or whatever, let me know and I'll well, get the I, word out. I think that's the way it should be. I think that's what separates guys that work more from the guys that don't work. Well, I yeah. can't get a gig. I wonder why. Because you're kind of a fucking douchebag. Yeah. I wish more musicians would kind of take that mentality. Yeah. I've gone on auditions that I didn't get. And just like you said, years ago, I, sh- I would get so pissed. Yeah. Now I'm like, all right, cool. Good luck. Let me know if you need anything. Yeah. And you just leave it and leave it at that. It's not personal. And it's and that it's it's the best. One thing with musicians we're guilty of, it's like we don't... There's a chunk of them that won't go out and support other bands because they look at it as competition. It's not competitions. It's peers in the same business. Yep. So if you have a night off, you go out and support those guys and see them, that's building a network. Oh, and absolutely. that's what this business is all about. And absolutely. people don't really look at it that way. It's like, you know, if they don't recognize me, I'm not going to recognize them. Right. And it, I've said this before on the show, and I've said it a million times in, in conversations with friends and musician peers and all that stuff there's plenty of work to go around oh yeah fucking relax yeah just calm your tits everything will work itself out it annoys me so as we were setting this up we figured out or you figured out yeah by listening to my show that i'm from new york and you and i are actually from the same fucking city we drank the same water (laughs) hell yeah we are both from syracuse new york go orange (laughs) is that a sports reference yeah. No, it's, it's the you'll you'll follow easy. sports, yeah. So. Easy. <laughs> yeah, I, 
I was the smartest one in my family. I moved away from the ice and the snow. Yeah, fair enough. Now you are, are you older than me or younger? I don't remember. I'm, I'm 44. Yeah, I'm older. How old are you? 54. You're 54? Okay, yeah. cool. I, I couldn't remember. I knew, I knew that we were the same age. I just couldn't remember. So when did you move down south and did you move straight to Texas? No, I, I, uh, when I was 14, moved from uh, nice green rolling hills of upstate New York. Where Syracuse area itself, Syracuse University is a real liberal university. And uh, every summer, my parents and a bunch of their friends would rent a house out in the country. So it's like a hippie commune every summer. <laughs> That's where I, I first really got into music. So, I mean, that was, that was really cool. Hippie commune. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, basically, it was a bunch of hippies living together on a. 40 acre horse farm and had a pond out back that you didn't if you're a kid you didn't go out to the pond on friday nights because that's when the parents went out there with bottles of wine and went ah. skinny dipping so yeah don't go out there yeah and yes kids there actually is rolling hills yeah in new york yeah there was an new apple york is bigger than just yeah. new york city i mean physically and technically it is it's not to me because new york city is all that matters but yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah but all this all the water from new york city comes from upstate so, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so I was 14. We uh, left there. My dad uh, had some family friends that lived out in southeast Colorado. So here it uh, is, 14 years old, right when you're like, got your identity figured out, like who you are, who you hang out with. And we get dropped in the middle of nowhere, southeast Colorado. And uh, it's a little town. It's called Lamar. Great place to have grown up in, but right. I couldn't wait to get the hell out of there. <laughs> but... Uh, I uh, started learning how to play guitar through a family friend of ours that was there. And basically, I learned guitar so I wouldn't get my ass kicked after school every day because kids were like, you got a funny accent. Where are you from? Oh, I'm from New York. Oh, you must be tough. So me and my three cousins, we're going to kick your ass. Ugh. So I started taking guitar lessons and woodshed it out at home every day after school. Nice. And then I was 20. I moved to Texas. Okay, so. cool. That's where I was going with that because yeah. I, I wasn't sure when you moved to Texas. And I was going to ask you when you started playing. Um, so you actually started playing it when you were in Colorado at 14, 15. Yeah. How, how long did you live in Texas? Because, and I'm not, this is obviously your story, but you had told me that you used to play in Austin. So how long, yeah. how long did you live there? And when did you start quote, getting into the scene? When I was there, I, I moved to Austin in 86 and moved to Louisville area in, uh, uh, would have been 2001. So I moved here. Gotcha. So when I was down there, uh, I guess the scene, it was just like moving to any other city. I was 20 years old at the time and just kind of get to know who was who and what was what. Now, did you move down there on your own? Yeah, I had, okay. a, I had uh, an uncle lived down there and I was ready to get the hell out of where I lived. And he did said, you hey. pick, did you pick Austin because your uncle lived there? Yeah, basically. Okay. I was either, I wanted to go somewhere it had music. So it was either Seattle, that will have been way pre grunge. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> And I didn't know anybody there. Then it's I too thought, wet and fucking cold up yeah. there. Yeah. And then it was Austin, Texas. And I had family there. Right. And I was almost went to Athens, Georgia, because I had a cousin that lived there. Gotcha. And I wanted to go place. I had music scene. You know, it's like if I wasn't going to be a player in the scene, I at least wanted to enjoy a scene. Right. So that's why that uh, makes sense. ended up in Austin, just being a fan of, fan of music. And uh, oh, two weeks after I moved to Austin, I was working at a Kmart. And I hear, so he say, hey, there's this drunk guy looking for trash cans. So I look around the corner, nobody else but C. Ray Vaughn. <laughs> so 
I was like, Brother Stevie, come here. Uh, what, what do you want? Cometh hither, sir. <laughs> yeah. Hey, man, uh, I need, where's trash cans? They're right over here. So went and sold him three trash cans. This was back in his, back in the 80s when he was a partier. And right. So sold him some trash cans, uh, walked and put him out in his car and got his autograph. So nice. I, that was two weeks after I moved to Austin. I was like, I like it here. This is cool. <laughs> and I think I can stay here. And at that time, the the music scene, you, it was really hands on. You could you could actually watch out, walk out, and touch the people there. Oh, nice! It's not like as closed in as it is now. That everyone you know is there. They think they're famous. So no, I get that. Yeah, I so. get that. Yeah, I've never been to Austin. I've, it's one of the places I always have wanted to go, and I'll get there eventually. Um, and when I say eventually, I mean the next couple of years, because I've heard the music scene there is unbelievable. It's awesome. It's uh. Now it, it's the music change. Music scenes change a little bit. When I was there, you could play anywhere, right? And make a little bit of side money doing it. Now there'll be bands that'll move there that they'll live off their advance and play pretty much for free. So that kind of cut the working musicians out. Gotcha. That you know weren't the ones that were trying to get a a record label or anything like that. They just wanted to play music because they loved it. Gotcha. So, well, I mean, it unfortunately yeah. makes sense, but business, it makes sense. Uh, you'll hear me say it all the time. Business is business. It's oh, you know, yeah. got to follow the dollar. So. Well, you do, but it's it's also, you probably even get it more than me because, I mean, 10 years is not a really, really long time, but in what we do and what we've seen in music history, 10 years, if you think about it in history-wise, five years is the difference between Elvis and the Beatles. Yeah. So musically, 10 years is a huge gap. So what I'm getting at is I think it's unfortunate and it's kind of sad that it's that way, even though business is business, like you said, and you're 100% right. It, it just sucks that there really is no industry anymore. There's no music business. Yes, people can still do shit and get quote unquote famous, but nobody's making money. Nobody's yeah. making art. They're just making content for the sake of having something to put out. Yeah. Something to post. Yeah. So, and it's, and I'm, I'm being a, a super hypocritical fuck right now because that's what I do. That's why I started this podcast yeah. so I can have content, but I'm also, I don't make a dime off this fucking thing. Yeah. That's why you got to go to Amazon fuckers through my website. That'd be great. Buy a t-shirt while you're there. I love your faces. Um, <laughs> but seriously, that's, it, that's one of the reasons why I started this I'll show. Order one extra large. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, that's why I started the show was because the original music, as much as I need that creative outlet, I don't need to dump thousands of dollars in a project that's not going to do me any good. Yeah. And a lot of people get on my ass and they're like, well, you're just all about the money. No, I'm not. But I have to have money to pay my fucking bills. Yeah. And it's, there's no way around that. Yeah. None. It's sorry. It's a sad thing to say, but money makes the world go around. Unfortunately, so, it does. And you've got, and yeah, we've we've both played in bands in the past that huh, you lost more than you'll ever gain. Mm-hmm. So yeah, in fact, I I'm still holding a great big albatross around my neck for my last big project. Anybody want to buy a tour bus? I've got one. No shit. No shit. Yeah, it's all gutted out right now, so you can build it the way you want. Are you serious? Yeah, 1983 Prevost Mirage XL. Oh, that's fucking yeah. awesome. Has an 8V71 uh, Detroit diesel in it, uh, six speed manual transmission. Does it still run? Yeah. You just gutted the interior out? Yeah, we gutted it out, and it just the band kind of fizzled out after that. And so. You I have got, a fucking tour bus? Yeah. Don't sell it. <laughs> I don't think. Wait, I don't know. <laughs> 
Yeah, no, fuck it. Sell it, it needs a lot of work. Yeah, I'm gonna be selling that thing. Okay, so side note, if anybody needs a tour bus or wants a tour bus, contact me or contact Lauren, which all his information will be in the show notes of the show. Okay, so back to the whole industry thing. That's why I think it's sad that it's not like that anymore. It's kind of like I've, I listen to a shit ton of podcasts and I read a lot of articles and websites and all that shit. And a lot of the cats that were in L.A. are all moving to Nashville now. Yeah. Because L.A. is such a shithole. Yeah. Apparently. I mean, I, I don't. I'm not there. I don't know. And I've talked about it on my show before. I won't move to Nashville because I'm not playing for tips. Fuck you. Yeah. That's arrogant as shit, and I don't care. Now, I've got friends that have moved down there that they moved, did it as a... How is it? A, a career move, I guess you could say, because they're in the in the place where they could have the, the marketing behind them and stuff like right. that. They didn't move there to play there because... Yeah, you'll be playing for tips. and I'm not going to play seven hours a night because that's literally what they do. Yeah. They play six to seven. Sh- yeah. They call it shifts, which is basically an hour. Yeah. They play six to seven hours a night, and they're making maybe 100 bucks a night. Yeah. No. I'm way better than that. Yeah. Call it ego. Call it arrogance. Call it pride. Check yes, all those boxes. Right. I'm I've, not doing it. I've played down there, and it's like... You know, it's like I got to you know tell all my friends, yeah, I've played Nashville a couple of times, but musically, it didn't get me anywhere ahead. Right. Yeah. I mean, I've done a couple of shows down there. Uh, my original band, we did a, a showcase down there. Uh, I don't, I don't remember if it was the Exit Inn or what, but uh, anyway, we did a showcase for a couple of Nashville producers. Nothing came out of it, but yeah. I can say I played Nashville. Yeah, and that, it, cool. it looks good on a resume. Oh, you can't sure. beat that. No, yeah. you can't. So when you started playing. In the Austin scene, so to speak, were you doing covers? Did you start bands? Did yeah, you join we were, bands? What, what, mostly, uh, what's your fucking story, dude? <laughs> Went down there, got together with <laughs> some guys. And just, mostly did covers. And of course, it was, you know, everybody wanted to be the next C. Ray Vaughn that was there for a while. And right. So I played in a bunch of those bands doing that. And uh, one gig I ended up getting, it was back when you could go to a music store and they had the bulletin board where, you know, you had to like tear off the phone oh, number. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I remember before everybody, yep. Yep. this was like pre-flip phone era even, you know. This so, is pre-cell phone era. Yeah. So you tear off the number, the, the phone number. And one I got one time, it said, Austin, Texas, Atlanta, 62,327 guitar players. Can we find the next one that doesn't want to be C. Ray Vaughn? I'm like, that sounds good. <laughs> Tore off a piece of paper, went home, called them up, and uh, range of time, uh, went to a, uh, a rehearsal studio, very much like this one. And I walk in the door, and I had my old 69 Gibson SG and a beat to hell, whatever kind of combo I had. And they're like, dude, you got the gig. I'm like, what? Well, he haven't even heard me play. I haven't even played yet. They go, you're the first one that showed up that didn't have a Stratocaster. I'm like, <laughs> okay. Ended up playing with those guys for a couple of years. We were just doing That's uh, awesome. blues-based rock, you know, right? Uh, kind of redone 70s rock and stuff like that. So it was, you know, so kind of did that. And uh, that, and I really uh, listened and played with a lot of people in the alternative country scene down there. Right. was more my bag. And I always had long hair, and everyone's like, you must play in a metal or rock band. Yeah. I was like, no, I'm a country picker. Nice. And they would never believe me until I pick up a Telecaster. So I get the I get the opposite of that now because I don't have hair, obviously, but because I'm covered in tattoos. Yeah, I tell people I play music, or you're a oh. felon. <laughs> yeah, or I'm a felon. I tell people I play music. Oh, you play that metal, don't you? No, actually, I don't. I yeah, play mostly pop. 
or like really people go hey rock star go no not rock star country star pays better (laughs) you know so (laughs) pays better so when did you transition or learn how to play lap steel because a lot of people don't know that you actually do that i'm sorry Oh, I, I first I it's, learned lap steel. It's pedal steel. Yeah, that I was gonna then I edit that in. out, and now I'm not because I'm no. fucking dumb, and it's funny. And <laughs> <laughs> the stupidity bubble arises. <laughs> but yeah, first I I started messing with uh, lap steels uh, back when you could find them real cheaper, and was like, here's Grandpa's old lap steel. How much? <laughs> I'll give you a hundred bucks for it. And they're oh couple of companies that made them uh most of them came out of chicago a company called valco valco national supro same company gotcha uh they also made k guitars uh hollow bodies uh did a lot of built a lot of contract guitars too out of there contract ones being like uh sears montgomery ward would buy guitars from them but learned how to play lap steel and had fun with that and then took the next step and got into uh messing around with pedal steels right that's a whole different animal. Yeah, that's a fuck that. Yeah. Uh, I don't want no part of trying to play that <laughs> shit. It's the only thing that resembles it, it resembling being a guitar. It's got a pickup. It's got strings on it. <laughs> Outside of that, <laughs> it resembles a harp more than anything else. So Can we call it a lap harp from now on? Uh, yeah, because mouth harp is already taken. Yeah. And that's... mouth organ is too. <laughs> mouth organ. <laughs> wow, that's bad. Uh, okay, then I don't want to do lap harp. <laughs> yeah. No, nope. moving on. Um, now you did that. I didn't really mess with the pedal steel until I moved here to Louisville. Area, okay, because okay. that's when I bought one and thought, let's see what this is like, and uh, just been messing with those and really found my way into a network. All these old guys that are. Our grandpa, our papa, ages <laughs> that are these phenomenal pedal uh, pedal steel players here in Louisville, and uh, gotten to know a bunch of them, and uh, so the best pedal steels that were made in the country were made right here and just south of Louisville, down in Brooks. Uh, really? A company is called Derby Pedal Steel. Yeah, the guy Charlie, I can't remember his last name, it escapes me. Uh, he passed away a few years ago, but his uh, Derby pedal steels are still one of the best ones out there. No shit. Yeah. I didn't know that. So Very cool. See? It's a learning experience. Yeah. Always. Always (laughs) learning shit on the show. No, that's that's actually really cool. I remember when you and I were talking, that was one of the things I asked you about, was the whole lap steel thing. Um, Pedal steel thing. Damn it. Fuck. Quit quit focusing on my lap. (sighs) It's so cute. Oh, my God. Your lap is so cute. <laughs> See how I saved myself there? You like <laughs> yeah. that, don't you? Um, I think it's because the I did a project with a gentleman who is, <clears throat> if you're listening, fucker, who will eventually be on the show, and he had a lap steel player. And that was the first time I played with yeah. somebody. It was, and it was a real lap steel. I do know the difference. I'm just, I can't talk today. I'm a fucking idiot. But he played a lap steel, and it was kind of cool. Anyway, uh, we had talked about the pedal steel and playing that kind of deal when you started doing that stuff here in louisville were you bouncing back and forth between that and guitar or were you just in bands strictly as a as a pedal see i did it right that time yay me no steel player mainly is just a regular six string guitar player gotcha and did a little bit of lap stuff in there and because i knew that 
one thing where you see a lot of the pedal steel players, they're so old because it takes that long to master the damn thing. (laughs) And the things are friggin' expensive. (laughs) And it's like, you know, don't play that kids. It takes forever. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, Because there's like one I have right now. It's made by a company called Rittenberry. Uh, and it's it's very well built steel. Uh, I bought it secondhand, but brand new. That thing would will run, made twenty five hundred bucks. No shit, and that's that just, expensive. Yeah, and that's uh, middle of the road uh, middle of the road price for it. If you get like uh, another company, it's called Mullins, made in Flagler, Colorado. Uh, Colorado, don't you know? Yeah, no, it's not that. It's not Minnesota, don't you know? No, I just like it's, saying "don't you know" after everything's stupid. Yeah, okay. Well, Flagler, Colorado isn't <laughs> stupid. It's just a small town on the not high. Not Colorado plains. is stupid. Colorado with an Colorado. A. Colorado. Yeah, okay. Gotcha. Wow, that went right how, over your head. How did you get this gig? <laughs> I own it. Okay, <laughs> it's mine. Well, okay, I didn't say anything then. Uh, (laughs) I've been kicked off finer shows than this will ever be. You're probably true. You've probably been called worse by better as well. But back to the topics of pedal steels. For one, from that company, they'll start out about three thousand. There's other companies that'll be like four or five thousand. I didn't realize they were that expensive. Yeah, and uh, it's just like if the difference from I've got four pedal steel guitars right now i got one that's a real base model one it would be like an old beat up chevy truck it'll get you the it'll get you the store and back home no frills though <laughs> and i got uh another one that was a, a hand-built one that somebody did probably 30 years ago still a good guitar but it's you know it's a chevy with an ac in it i guess we'll say gotcha and then i've got another one it's a 1974 mullins uh yeah no marlin and it was uh made in south carolina and this is just like a emmons uh show bud uh just top of line steel at that time nice which had been like a a 74 totally decked out chevy pickup truck now you compare that to my rittenberry which would be like getting a brand new you know uh gmc denali which one do you think is going to run better gotcha so and that's it's just the the fine tuning on them how smooth they run the uh the different lever levers and pulls on them and that's what makes all the difference on them so gotcha it'd be like your drum hardware you know? oh yeah yeah, yeah. We won't talk about shit. It's, <laughs> too, it's so complex i don't even care about it anymore <laughs> now for my own edification to make sure i'm not being completely stupid jokes aside Robert Johnson is a pedal steel player, correct? Robert Johnson? Isn't it Robert Johnson? <laughs> Robert Randolph. God damn it. Who is Robert I Johnson? I went down to the crossroads. Thank you. All right. <laughs> Apparently, I'm fucking dumb. Robert Randolph is badass. Yes, Robert Randolph is who I was getting yes, at. Uh, yeah, he plays uh, pedal steels. Maybe. Pedal steel, okay. Yeah, he, and he has uh, ones he sits behind, and he also has one It's a newer one that actually it's... He can play it standing up. Right. Well, the, the only reason I was bringing that up is so people can, who have no fucking clue what we're talking about, yeah. can actually go YouTube somebody and go, hey, this is yeah. actually a pedal steel player. And he's fucking awesome. Oh, yeah. I saw him, I don't remember how long ago it was. It was a long time ago. And he had... Because uh, he starred with uh, North Mississippi All-Stars. Mm-hmm. He and, did. And, but there was a... That's one just calls the family band, I think. is Yeah, it's Robert one. Randolph and the family band. But he had a, his drummer was, um, he had J.D. Blair for a minute, which I've talked about on the show. But then he had um, 
ah, I can fucking see the guy's face. And if I think about it, I'll I'll edit it in later. Um, I want to say it's Derrico Watson or something like that. But anyway, he had this this drummer that was he was a cross between a gospel drummer and a rock drummer, which okay. is kind of hard to find. Yeah, because most drummers that lean gospel lean heavy gospel, yeah. and that's all they do. And vice versa for the rock guys, they do the same thing. But this dude had a really cool mix of both, and I don't remember where I saw him, but they were they floored their shit out of me. They were badass, yeah. and he's a fucking monster. Because Robert Randolph, that's where he started out at playing steel. They call it Sacred Steel. It was from the, I don't know the exact church. It was some form of Pentecostal church that they had their own type of how, their own way of how they play pedal steel. It has right. a lot of vocal qualities to it. Oh, gotcha. So that drummer that you're talking about, it was, you know, it was half gospel and half you know, R&B. It could have been how he developed that style. Probably. I don't know. I'm not a drummer, but just a thought. Well, no, no, no. The, I mean, since you're talking about it, the, the majority of drummers that have that style, they, in almost all of them, will tell you they grew up playing in church. Yeah. And it's that certain Southern gospel kind of style. And mm-hmm. it's real staccato, but it's also swung super hard. It's, yeah. it's swung almost so hard, it's almost triplets. Yeah. But it's not quite triplets. That's how hard that mm-hmm. shit swung. And, it, and it's cool. Um, I've never really talked about it on the show, but my biggest problem with it is it's, I like the swing too. Like I have a natural swing when I play anyway, but when you push it that hard and it becomes almost triplets, it, it you're killing it. You're, yeah. There's no groove there. It feels like you're falling off a cliff. Yeah. If, if you have a band that can keep up with it, oh yeah, you found a sweet spot. But if the band's trying to catch up to you, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's what I mean. It's always pushed. Yeah. It feels like it's rushed and, and falling off a cliff. Like, what? I don't, this is making me uncomfortable. I don't <laughs> understand. Um, which is why a lot of those guys, they, they have a hard time reining it in. Yeah. But flip side, guys like me, I can't play that shit. Oh. That shit's badass. But it's, I don't know why I can't talk today, but it's that whole... Because you're looking at me. Actually, I'm looking at the door, asshole. (laughs) It's that whole... You want me to go out the door, I get it. No, but it was funny because when I pulled up today, I got out of my car and you were like, what's up, bitch? I went, fuck are you talking to? Because I, I called you at that one, the, the audition day, I called you a bitch, and you're like... Oh. You have no idea. No, I know. <laughs> yeah. That was funny. You were like, God, you're such a bitch, aren't you? I said, you have no idea. Um, I forgot what the fuck I was getting at. Oh, I, it's all about what you're ingrained with and how you grew up and what you studied. And everybody knows that, but there's... I think a lot of musicians tend to take it for granted. For example, when we were at AIM, uh, and I don't know if I told this story on the show before. If I did, bear with me, kids. If I didn't, you're going to hear it. Um, this guy came over from, he was either from Portugal or Brazil. I can't remember. They both speak Portuguese though. Right. (laughs) I'm starting not to fucking like you, (laughs) which makes me love you. Um, anyway, he came over and he was going to audition for AIM in Atlanta Institute of Music where I went to music school. And he, they put him in the, in the audition room and at that time when we were there it was the the actual performance hall um so he's up on stage and he's doing all these afro-cuban brazilian seven eight just weird like nine sixteen bizarre brazilian shit and the teachers are running around looking for all of us drum students going come in here you gotta fucking watch this guy so we're all Mind fucked. We have no clue. We're just going, we're trying to count it going, oh, fuck you, dude. It's like, fuck I can't you. do the math. Fuck that. <laughs> it's that kind of thing. Yeah. And so the, at the end of it, I mean, we're all 
I gave a kid a standing ovation. He was young, too. He's like 21, 22. And they said, okay, you can do all that shit. Why do you want to come here? And he said, and I quote, I want to rock. <laughs> okay. Yeah. He couldn't play a 4-4 groove to save his ass. Yeah. And he tried. Like, we all watched him, and we're going, how fucking you not play a 4 Like, he couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. He couldn't play an ACDC groove. He couldn't play anything. It, because he grew up immersed in that yeah. Brazilian style music. That's, it, it's a cool story for my listeners if they've never heard it, but it's also a nice reminder. Pay attention to what the fuck you grew up on. Yeah. And if, you, if that's all you are and you've pigeonholed yourself, then you need to open your mind. Mm-hmm. And you need to, hey, I'm going to take a right. Yeah. Just like I can't talk about the secret project, but when it comes out, people are going to be like, that, you built that? Yeah, I did. I'm jealous already. <laughs> Why are you jealous? Because <laughs> I know how big it's going to be. Oh, I hope so. Either that or it's going to fall on its face. But you know what I mean? It's in, in the reason I've done it this way is because, okay, I've done this, I've done this, and I've done this. Mm-hmm. What haven't I done completely outside of my comfort zone? Yeah. Let's try this thing. Let's see how this works. It's either going to work or it's not, but at least I'm giving it an effort. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's like how I... Went from guitar to pedal steel. It's right. Like, and when I was a kid, well, my like I said, my my folks are from New York. My uh, grandparents were from up in the Adirond- Adirondack Mountains, way up north next to Canada. Holy shit! Where it's damn cold. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so yeah, Antarctica so close cold. To, yeah, so close to Canada, they speak Canadian up there. Eh? Eh? <laughs> we want to go to. I want to go out for a coffee. Eh? Uh, <laughs> But uh, my grandmother was a manager at a bar. Minnesota. No, that's where the second ex-wife was from. <laughs> yeah. That's why you corrected me on that. Yeah. <laughs> How many ex-wives have you had? Well, two. The first one was from Wisconsin. Beer and sausage. <laughs> but uh, You're striking out, brother. I know. <laughs> I've got a good one now, though. Uh, the, that's all that matters. Yes. But my grandmother, she uh, was a manager at a bar, and during the summers, uh, it was one of the few happening places up there. They always had bands there. So I was a kid. I mean, I always just loved live music. And, you know, I was like, like probably like first time you saw a band, you're like, I want to do that. And I was right. like, I want to do that too. And it's like, so when I moved to Colorado, that's when I was like, you know, I got to find something to do so I don't get my ass kicked. But I always <laughs> liked music. So, and that's got into that. And, I've one thing I've done. I've always been a real fan of music history, guitar history, and stuff like that. And I've right. got a big, crazy collection of some decent vintage instruments and stuff. Just worked and, my way and traded my way up to it. So. And a tour bus. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and the story with that it was one of the guys <laughs> from my band. We went and looked at a bus. This is the second bus we had. The first bus we. We got it. I'm like, yeah, honey, uh, I'm going to go and get a new guitar case. You know, we're going to stop by this music store. And the guy goes, hey, we're going to check out a bus. I'm like, okay. And it's like, yeah, we could we could make this work. So we buy the bus and everything. We get back home. I'm sorry, honey, I, I didn't get a guitar case. I kind of did, but it's really big. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, what would you get? Uh, me and the guys bought a bus. Uh, bought a bus. And that one was fun. That was... uh. Craziest, stupidest, most satisfied I've ever been in the music business when we went up to, I think it was up in Toledo, Ohio, played up there. And on the way back, just to lay down in a bunk in a bus mm-hmm. and just have my earbuds in and just the biggest uh, shit-eating grin on my face, like, we're in a tour bus and it's ours. 
this is so fucking cool. Oh yeah, it's and it, it's it's just, really cool. Yeah, and uh, so I, that was great. And it's like, anybody, now did you do that here or did you do that in Texas? No, I was here. Okay. Um, well, I lived in Texas. We just bounced around all the a lot of the music halls and stuff that were like an hour drive or more outside of Austin because anybody, what our formula was and it made sense and it worked was if they lived closer in an hour from Austin, they, if they want to see live music, they just went in the city inside. Gotcha. And from an hour inside, people were kind of jaded to music. But when you're on the outlying areas, when you, there would be a BF, BFW Hall or something would have a band. It was a it was a happening in that town. So people would show right. up because it was something special. And just when you played in those places, you didn't have that feeling like there's 30 vulture musicians looking <laughs> at me. So you got to have a good time with it. With the, with the impress me bro stance. Yeah, yeah, you know exactly. That, right? Yeah, yeah. You haven't shown me nothing yet. Yeah. Impress me, bro. Yeah. Boy, fuck off. Yeah. Yeah, you got every you got every pedal on your pedal board except for the talent button, you know, crap like that feeling. <laughs> Don't say that shit when I'm drinking coffee. <laughs> Where's the suck knob on the mixer? Because it needs to be turned down to zero. Yeah. So, but when I, I came up here and it's a uh, bounce around, you know, cover bands and stuff, then it was... Freeze. We skipped over. When did you move here? Uh, 2001. 2001. Okay. Yes. And... Uh, uh, Played with a Alan Lane band. It's who I was playing with the last six years. We're still doing some gigs here and there, but right. we hit it pretty hard for a while. And Alan, he had take time off, get his his real career and everything situated, and fa- happy family life and all that. So I mean, right? You, you got to give it, do a grown up decision every now and then, or you won't you won't be able to be a successful musician. Because take it from me, kids, if you ain't got a happy home. You ain't going to be happy. And if you lose that home the first time, you give away half your stuff. You give it. And if you lose it the second time, you're down to a quarter of what you had before. So make sure everything at home is happy. That's my public service announcement for this hour. Are you laughing? Like, you know, it's the truth, but no one will admit it. Wait, what are you talking about? Yeah. Let me give you my truth. Oh, my divorce cleaned me the fuck out. I lost everything except my drums and my car and my computer. Yeah, my second one, yeah, everything was in her name too. Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Mine just took everything because her lawyer was amazing and my lawyer sucked. Now that I'm married again, Stacy and I have an agreement. A, we kill each other. Literally. <laughs> it is not a joke. B, you can buy a tour bus, put your boat, both of you in it, and drive it <laughs> off a cliff like Thelma and Louise. Yes. Or B, <laughs> If one of us decides that we don't want to be with the other one anymore, tough shit, we're still going to be roommates. <laughs> okay. Because in reality, and we've talked about this, neither one of us really wants to train another human. I- I'm not interested in that. Yeah. So I'm not yeah. going to lose my yeah, shit. Okay. She's I, I, not going to lose her shit. <laughs> yeah. It's like, okay, I've settled for this. She settled for me. Okay. We got to make this thing work. Yep. So, yeah. Now, the... Um, the comment I made before at the very beginning of us sitting down was you said something about Kevin. How did you know Kevin? Crazy story. And it was not even from anything musically related. That's why him and I were, I think we were true buds. Nice. Uh, there was, uh, uh, some friends and I, we'd get together at Wix pizza down in the Highlands and mm-hmm. watch football. Kevin, big time football fan, you know, for, uh, green Bay Packers. Mm-hmm. I was actually going to say, because that I do remember. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, since I'm from How You Do in New York, 
I was a Jets fan because when I was a kid, that was the first time I remember thinking all the way back, my dad, my uncles, and all big old house party when the Jets won the Super Bowl. I was only six years old, but that kind of, you know, so I always heard Jets all the time. Right. And my brother's a Giants fan. And I can't be a fan of anything he likes. So <laughs> it's logical. Yeah. I'd, I'd go down, <laughs> I'd, I'd go down to Wix because uh, a guy that, that I've played music with on and off, you know, him, Jeff Faith, dude, everybody else in town knows him. I probably would uh, know now, his face. Uh, I'm shitty with names. Yeah. Brian White, he he's played with his wife Christine. Yeah, I, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, yeah okay, yeah, yeah. stand-up bass player. Yeah, yeah, I most, know who you're talking most about. Most people I know are stand-up people, but he actually is a stand-up bass player. <laughs> so, uh, very very cool person. And uh, we were talking about what football teams we like, and he said, "Well, you know, I don't know anything about sports." And someone's like, "You got to pick a team." He goes, "You like so?" He said, "I like the color green." So I picked the Jets. I'm like, okay, that works. So I started hanging out with, with Jeff and a couple of our friends down there. And and so he goes, hey, that's Kevin McCreary over there. I'm like, oh, who's that? You know, I've heard the name. Right. And they go, oh, he's, you know, guitar player for, you know, Big Rock Show, uh, Uncle Cracker. Started just naming off stuff. I go, okay, yeah, I know this dude. So I uh, walk up to him and go, hey, I'm Lauren Fountain. How you doing? He goes, oh, it's, you know, I'm Kevin McCreary. Good to meet you. I go, I know you're a badass guitar player. I need a guitar tech. Who who's the guitar tech in this town you'd you would you would uh you know refer me to? So he told right. me and everything and and uh that's how we got to know each other. It was just nice. watching football and since at that time uh Brett Favre was the quarterback for the Jets and he used to be the Green Bay one. I had my Favre jersey on. He goes, That's the worst damn jersey I've ever seen. So Okay. I'm glad uh, you tied that in because I was about to fall asleep on you. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> have some more coffee then no <laughs> but and just from that it's like it's, Kevin, it's been a long time since it's my first show has posted so oh, okay <laughs> reminder three things i don't talk about on my show sports yeah politics, i know that's why i religions. tried not doing that i know you did well yeah i was proud of you because you tied it into kevin so i'm cool yeah. with that. so there's only a toe in the pond not the whole foot. <laughs> so I just dipped my pinky toe right in. <laughs> but anyways, that's when Kevin and I, we start, you know, just start talking more about stuff. And usually with musicians, it's like they'll, they'll talk about gigs. I always say they have the dick contest. Like, oh, right. I, and with Kevin, it's like the only time we talked about it was when he played with Uncle Cracker at Red Rocks. Yep. He I'm was like, super proud of that gig. I was like, dude. You played my dream gig. He goes, what? I go, Red Rocks. I said, I remember going to concerts there when I lived in Colorado. I'm like, I'm going to be on a fucking stage someday. And you beat my ass to it. Nice. But he, And I could tell he was full of pride from that gig, but he wasn't like boastful about it. No, he was never so was. Cool. He and never was. And that's how I really dug about him. And so even to this day on uh, my pedal boards and stuff, I'll have a piece of tape on there with fur, furdy fur on it. Fur, furdy fur. Just because it, gives it's you know i don't know if i say it, but it just gives me uh makes me want to be a better player right just a better musician because he was like that he just had that karma he, so. he did in speaking of the 444 i don't know if you know this i have yeah, a 444 tattoo on my leg oh i didn't know that yeah so. i would show you but i have on girl skinny pants um no kevin was the first time they hit the floor i bet <laughs> don't give away all my secrets okay. bitch if you look it, if there was an actual definition of amazing human, it yeah. was it would be Kevin. Yeah. I see people all the time who will talk to me or vice versa because of Kevin. 
and he's been gone a couple of years now, and he's yeah. still bringing people together. Oh, yeah. And that's cool. And on the show, I'm calling you out. Your post on his birthday was fucking amazing. That Thank was you. awesome. Yeah. That was the coolest post. Go to Lauren's page if you haven't found it already. If you haven't looked him up by now, you yeah. stalker bitches. And well, on Kevin's birthday, you posted a really, really cool picture. Yeah. Where is that sign? Well, the... We can't give it all away. We're going to make him work when, for it. When he passed away, I had... Uh, I was had plans to go to on, uh, go to vacation on, up to New York, mm-hmm. and he passed away on a Thursday, and I was leaving Friday morning to go up to New York. We were right. driving up there, uh, stopped at Football Hall of Fame, took a bunch of pictures there, and uh, well, that was one, a waste of time. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. Sorry, I had to get in a sports yeah, show. Go ahead. Yeah. Okay. I got it out so, of the way. I'm done. But now. that. That sign, that 444 sign, is a mileage marker. It's outside of Buffalo, New York on I-90. I told you not to give it away. You don't follow instructions But there's well. another sign that no one else knows where that one's at. The, the black and white sign is a, a state road sign that's off the beaten path. Ooh, okay. So There you go. So you got to go. So everybody go to his page and check that post out. It's awesome. Yeah, because I find weird Easter eggs like that, and I found a 444 uh, mileage marker outside of a... Oh, it, it's on uh, Highway 287 up in Colorado next to Deer Trail, Colorado. It's a sign 444. I am. We were, we were driving down the road last year, and it's like, hey, there's a sign 442. We're either two miles too far or not enough. Right. Here it comes, 444. I'm like, freaking Easter egg from Kevin. Nice. So, Little bastard's always watching us. Yeah. Did you ever get a chance to play with him? No, I never did, man. And one thing that... Uh, I guess a regret I have was like, he said, hey, I need to make it over to your house and, and play all your guitars. I go, dude, you'll ruin them all for me. I'll never play it up, be able to play them again. And uh, now I look at it, it's like, man, I should have been, dude, that would be an honor. Come on over. And I never got a chance to extend that to him. Right. So anymore, I have friends that are, how can you say, worthy musicians where I'm like, dude, come on over. I got dream gear. You, you'll never get a chance to play. Right. So. No, that's cool. Yeah, so that's really really cool. Now, who are you playing with now? Are, now, you, are you just doing the Alan Lane stuff? Yeah, doing doing uh, some gigs here and there with Alan. Uh, doing some pedal steel stuff. Uh, Chris Moondog Hall. Whenever he comes through, I'll play pedal steel with him. We'll we'll do it. So, uh, he's singer songwriter. He's from all over this part of the country. Right. Uh, he's based out here in Louisville. Lives down in Nashville now, and. Uh, but he'll come through and he'll just play acoustic and sing and I'll back him up on pedal steel, just do a duet like that. Oh, nice. That's cool. And we've done that around Louisville, uh, Indianapolis and stuff. So, and then very cool. Then there's uh, some other people I play with. Uh, it's called your second favorite band. That's a really good fucking name. Yeah, it is. <laughs> and there are people I've known for a while and we just do acoustic gigs here and there. I think we got one next month at the, Tim Tam uh, Tavern over off of a popper level road. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, doing doing what it takes to keep the chops up. <laughs> Very cool. Now, you said, because you have a notebook in front of you, and you haven't looked at it yet. Uh-oh. This could be a long day for you. <laughs> you said you actually had questions for me. Were you fucking with me, or are you serious? I could work some in. <laughs> Okay, like when you move. What's on your notebook? No, that's just okay. What did I have? <laughs> Let's start there because I'm yeah, I, now I'm just interested. Okay, like 
What is the hardest difference between playing being a rock drummer to being a country drummer? Because I've noticed, I've I've known guys that could beat out every kind of rock beat there is. You say, okay, give me a two-step country shuffle, and it just f's them up. Now, is is this really on your notebook? Or are you just yeah yeah? Are you really country drummer me, note So you have there. questions yeah. for me? Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. So to clarify, you're asking me questions off your notebook. So you brought questions for me. It's fucking weird. I like it. Um, are you talking about a traditional two-step? Yeah, you do two-step. Then you have the different shuffles and stuff. Part of the reason I will blanket every answer from here forward, drumming-related, is all my opinions. Part of the reason that stuff is hard to switch back and forth between is exactly what we were talking about earlier about the Brazilian kid. Yeah. He grows up that way or the gospel kid. He grows up that way or the rock kid. He grows up that way. When you get so focused on one thing, trying to transition into another thing is hard enough as it is. Yeah. What happens between the rock guys and the country guys, especially the traditional two-step kind of stuff is that stuff is swung, but it's not swung hard. Yeah. So you have to find there's a little bit of a swing to it. Once you find that, because rock for the most part is straight ahead. Yeah, four on the floor. Yeah. Yeah, as as my buddy Dave Moody says, big dumb rock. Yeah. Um, but that's kind of what it is for the most part. So when you when you find that spot where you can actually swing it a little bit and and fit in that, and I'm not even going to call it a pocket because it's not really what it is. Mm-hmm. Fit in that little window of just swung enough. Yeah. Then you got to figure out the feel of it. And a lot of that traditional two-step has like a, what's called, what's known as a New Orleans line yeah. or a New Orleans swing, mm-hmm. which is its own fucking entity. Yeah. And a lot of guys can't do it. It's hard to get in that mindset. On top of all that, once you get in there, it's a hard groove to hold. Yeah. Because most of that two-step shit, you got to hold it for three or four minutes and you're not moving. And, and I've noticed that people who are more rock-based drummers, they can find that groove, but then they get it too busy. They, mm-hmm. got, they find other stuff to throw in mm-hmm. there. And, and I was going to say, that's the backside of it yeah. is for some guys, once they find it and they figure out they can do it, then it becomes too simplistic for them yeah. because there's nothing else going on, which is the point of the groove. Yeah, because you got like your shuffles that I've heard references to. You've got your flat tire shuffle. And you got your coffee shuffle, which is just slow rolling shuffle. And so when I hear stuff like that's what I kind of gear off of. And I just didn't know how hard it is for a rock bass drummer transition into a sim. To me, would see a simple beat, but you've you've educated me on why they have a hard time on it. That there's a lot more to it than that. It's. And I don't know if which episodes of my shows you've listened to, but I talked about me playing jazz. I love jazz music, yeah. and I'm, I'm not saying that to be cool. I really do. I mean, yeah. I have a lot of jazz shit. I listen to a lot of jazz. I can't fucking play jazz to save my ass. And the reason I can't is not only do I hit hard, I don't have enough finesse. And I've got finesse. You people that are saying I hit too hard, I really do have finesse. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> But I don't have enough finesse because you have to have a level of zero to 150 to be able to play jazz shit. Yeah. Because it's so light to to medium light to almost kind of light to, well, let's get a little unlighter. It yeah. just It's this window that goes on forever. So I suck at jazz. I'm fucking horrible at it. But I think where a lot of drummers kind of drop the ball, and I'm just adding to this even though you didn't ask this, is they can't admit to themselves that they can't do anything or they can't do a certain groove and they try to do it and then they fuck it up and it sounds like boots in a dryer. Yeah. 
or as I call it, the wheelchair down a fire escape rhythm section. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. But I think that's the biggest reason. There's, there's just a style and a finesse to that traditional two-step. That yeah. It, it's hard to hold it if you can figure out how to do it mm -hmm. or how to sit there where it lives. Um, and then it becomes hard to hold it. And then your brain starts to wonder because once you're holding it and you figure out, oh, shit, I can play this for hours. Yeah. Then you get bored. Yeah. And if you don't have enough self-discipline and a self-control and self-awareness in what everybody else is doing and listening to your other players, you start to muck the whole thing up yeah. with shit that just doesn't need to be there. And yeah, I've, I've heard really good country drummers that can you know, stick a hit in there here and there with it. And it still, still keeps it rolling, but right. And there's nothing wrong so with it. So it's a double, as soon as they, if they have a double kick pedal, which you, oh, you put a double kick, you know, pedal on a country drum. Just set. don't, oh. don't do that. Yeah, I'll bring bolt cutters. <laughs> uh, Wait, don't do that either. Yeah. Smack a bitch, but don't cut <laughs> okay. his gear. But <laughs> God, it's, there was a uh, one guy that, uh, guys will be about 10 years ago. That he was uh, transitioning playing rock to country, mm -hmm. and at that time over at uh, Expo Five over in Shively, mm -hmm. uh, Hank Williams Jr.'s band was there at that time. They're called the Bama Band, and the drummer he had is just awesome. Right. So this kid, I'm like, here's a country drummer right here. There's a groove in country. Watch this guy do it. Yeah, there it, definitely is. He's like, holy shit. He goes, that. He goes, it. it he makes it look easy. I go, but it's not. No, it's not. So and he worked his ass off. He got pretty proficient at it. And and I think that's the, I think that's a problem a lot of other musicians have with drummers. Hence all the drummer jokes and all that bullshit. Pizza's here. What? Oh, <laughs> I thought that was a bass player joke. Pizza's here. Either way, doesn't matter. How many light? How many bass players does it change, take to change a light bulb? None that I met. They won't do it. They'll sit in the dark. No, none. The keyboard player did it with his left hand. Oh, oh yo. but don't pshink. Yeah. No, um, I think a lot of reasons that drummers get misunderstood and labeled as spazzes, because we are, um, and all that bullshit is hitting things with sticks inherently is not hard. You go to that beautiful Gretsch rig right there. Isn't she pretty? She's it's so pretty. pretty. And you, you can physically in, in, I'm not doing the L word three times, kids. Let's you can literally hit so everything. Pretty. I know. You can hit <laughs> everything on there, and you can hit it with a stick. You're hitting around things with sticks. That's not fucking hard. Making it musical that's, is the fucking hard yeah. part. And that's where I think the disconnect is between other musicians and drummers because you can hand me a guitar, and I'm going to look at it like it's a foreign fucking object. Yeah, that's I don't big, know what. You go, big drumstick. Yeah, big drumstick. <laughs> hit the, like, I don't know what, I don't, it doesn't make sense to me. Now, mentally and, and audibly, guitar makes sense to me, and I can speak to you about it, mm -hmm. but if the actual instrument itself doesn't make sense to me, I don't like them. That whole fucking fret hand, especially left side, left handed, I, I don't get it. Yeah. I don't care about it. It makes no sense. So when you guys play, I am just as in awe of you. But when we, when drummers play, a lot of guitar players and bass players are like, you're just hitting shit, dude. It's not fucking hard. Actually, it's, it is fucking harder than you yeah. think. Something I, I, I heard a long time ago and always kind of go by every guitar player wishes they were a badass drummer and every drummer wishes they could just cook on a guitar that, you know, just, they could change. I'll meet you halfway. I wish I could play the shit out of a bass. Yeah. I'd much rather play bass and guitar. Yeah, because, well, bass was my first instrument. I, I, 
back when Colorado, when I lived Colorado. there, a guy that my dad knew, uh, he was needing a bass player in his country band. I said, well, I'm a bass player. I want to play guitar. And he's like, I'll give you free guitar lessons if you play bass in my band. So that's how that started. Uh, so. You left that out. You should have said that like an hour ago. Yeah, well, Good job, fucker. Yeah. Hey, at least I didn't talk sports. Just thank God you didn't fucking talk sport. I'm just kicking your ass. No, I'm just kidding. Build but does that make sense about the whole two-step thing? Yeah, yes, it does. Okay. Yeah. What else you got on your notebook over uh, there? Let me see. Come on, hit me. What you got? Yeah, I'll spank you. Let me <laughs> see. Uh, Don't spank me hard. I'm kind of a girl pants. Yeah, I bet you are. Okay. Uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> so, Well, okay, you, since you're from... A younger generation, not totally, totally younger, but you know, made a different mindset at that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, like when I when I first started learning how to play, there was in our little town there was a bunch of rock players, a bunch of country players. Mm-hmm. The rock players they'd only show you enough, so you would never get better than them. The mm-hmm. country players are like, we'll show you everything you want to learn, just because you get into the circle better. Mm-hmm. With that was with guitar. The drums was that the same kind of deal with that. Uh, this is a two-part answer, and I am unfortunately going to give you a long-winded answer. Hey, because it's your show. <laughs> you damn right. But now, the reason it's going to be slightly long-winded in two parts is I did everything backwards. I did not take my first lesson until I was 29 years old. Okay. And I started playing at like 12 or 13. So I went a long fucking time mm-hmm. without even a single lesson. So when I started taking actual lessons... Of course, the guy next door is going to show up and play drums because <laughs> I'm talking about drummers. That's all right. Um, when I started taking lessons, when I went to AIM, because I didn't take private lessons. I went straight to music school okay, at 29. Jumped right off the diving board. Basically, because I it's a really long story, and I'll tell you off the show because I've told the story on the show before. I think um, I've probably heard it. You yeah. probably heard it. Yeah. But when I got into AIM, I was surrounded by all these players that all we wanted to do was help each other. That's cool. It is cool. Yeah. But I've always noticed, and I've noticed this from day one. Here's the second part of the answer. I've noticed from day one, to me, in my little world of drums, drums are the worst about being competitive. I so think, it's always a cocksucker in a bunch, right? I, there is. <laughs> and I think guitar players are to a point. Again, this is me looking yeah. outside. Guitar players are to a point. But drummers always seem to be the worst because they want to see who can A, out-chop the other one, or B, can play faster than. Yeah. And I don't who has give the a f- faster helicopter? Yeah, yeah. I don't give a fuck about either one of those. I never have. So when I was coming up and teaching myself this, that, and the other, I didn't notice if it was separated by the rock guy or the country guy or the metal mm-hmm. guy. I would just ask different players around the few southern towns that I grew up in, if they had any advice, some would say yes, some would say no, some would give me a nugget of something, some literally told me to go fuck myself. Yeah. Uh, fuck you, kid, go fuck off, I'm not teaching you shit. I was like, okay, yeah. cool, you, I hope you fucking die tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's, I've had the whole gamut as far as who will give what information and who does not give information, yeah. who will help you and who won't. 
but in a, in an environment like AIM, everybody really wanted to help each other. But there was always that, even in AIM, there was always that underlying competition. Still a little, yeah, a little, yeah, chip on the shoulder. Yeah, I, I think some of it's a chip on the shoulder, but I think the other part is if I'm better than you, I'm going to get a gig and you're not. Yeah. Or if you're better than me, you're going to get a gig and I'm not. And I've never, me personally, I've never looked at it like that. Yeah. I'm better than a million dudes. I'm worse than a million dudes, and I'm just as good as a million dudes, and I don't give a fuck. Yeah, I've always gone by, yeah, there might be, I know there's better players, there's worse players, but every once in a while, I'll, I'll walk into a room, and I'll have the sound that that person who runs that band is wanting that day. Right. So. It, it is what it is, and it took me a long time to understand that yeah. and appreciate it, but I can say ever since I started playing, I, I've never been in a competition. Me personally. Yeah. And I don't know. I don't have a reason why or, or what are the epiphany. I, I have yeah. no idea. Like the reason I don't drink when I play is because when I left home, I used to sneak into all these bars and shit and I would go see all these metal bands I was into and they'd be drunk off their fucking asses and it would sound like garbage and I'd be pissed. Yeah. I'd be like, dude, first of all, I'm in here illegally. You suck. <laughs> and, uh. So I made a promise to myself that if I ever got to be on stage, I'd never do it drunk, and I never have. Yeah, and that's one thing I was wanting to ask you about, work ethic, mm -hmm. the work etiquette and everything that you've gone by when you've played as opposed to other players you've known. Like, what, what I've really sat in with me, I every Sunday I wake up at 9 o'clock, watch mm -hmm. CBS Sunday morning, mm -hmm. and this will have been 15 years ago, uh, Wynton Marsalis was on there, mm -hmm. and uh, they were showing a thing. Monster. He, oh, yeah. God, he's a and monster. And just a great human. And He the, seems like it. I've read a couple of interviews with him. And something that was really cool be, that they were showing his his thing he does before every show. He gets the suit that he's going to wear, gets on an ironing board at the hotel, irons his own suit and everything. He goes, he lets him focus on what he needs to do that night. Mm -hmm. And they're like, why do you do this? He goes, people have gone out of their ways to... Yeah, they saved up their money to buy tickets for the gig. They've got babysitters. They want this is an experience for them. To me, it's just another day at work. But if I go out there and not look like I'm on my best or on my toes and look the sharpest that I should be, how mm -hmm. they perceive me to be, I've let them down. And it's like, yeah, that's and and probably when he's probably never drank out on the stage either because he wants to stay on top of his game. And I noticed a few years ago for a while, I stopped drinking. And I noticed the club owners and me got along a lot better. Oh yeah. They and appreciate it. Yeah. Cause they're like, Oh, well there was one sober guy in the band we can talk to. And I made more connections <laughs> off of that, that, you know, that club owners would never had another project. Hey, I've got a project going on, you know, can I get a gig? They're like, yeah, sure. Right. And that's as far as, not drinking, it opened up doors business-wise. It does. And, and they'll see it, the club owners, they'll see that you have a, a more business work ethic about what you're doing. You're serious about it, so they know you're not going to waste your time and vice versa. So. Oh, absolutely. I, um, I've ran a couple bands. I'm still new to running the bands, or, or running bands, I should say. Herding cats. Uh, That's all oh, it is. God bless America. You are, preach, brother, preach. <laughs> but I've always had the same rules in the in the few that I've ran, you get drunk on stage, I'm either going to kick your ass or take money from you. More than likely, I'm going to take money from you because all the shit that I talk, I'm really not a violent person. Um, but I, I will dock you money. Yeah. Because you're going to work. If you show up to your job drunk, you're either going to get written up or you're going to get fired. Oh, yeah. Why the fuck would you do it here? Now, you want to go snort 10 pounds of blow off of some stripper titties after we're done playing? I don't give a fuck what you do. You want to go drink a fifth video. of Jack? Yeah, I want video. <laughs> uh, you go want you want to go 
drink a fifth of Jack, if if our gig is over, I don't give a fuck what you do. Yeah. Because a lot of, and the only reason I stress that is because it seems to me that people misunderstand it where I'm coming from. It's like, well, you just don't like that stuff. No, I don't give a fuck what you do. Mm-hmm. Like, I really, do. you want to go shoot heroin? Go ahead. I don't fucking care. Just be Not at my the business. gig tomorrow. <laughs> just yeah. show up. And do your job. Yeah. That is the point of it. I, it's not that I'm against anything. I don't give a fuck what you do. Yeah. But if you're on stage, you're at work. You know why you're at work? Because at the end of the night, you're going to make money. I'm going to pay you or whoever you're working for, if you're not working for me. Yeah. It, they're going to pay you. You are doing a job. Yeah. It is the coolest job ever. Oh, no it's doubt. It's fucking amazing. Yeah. There's tons of perks that come with it. Why do you have to ruin it? <laughs> yeah. It's still a job. Yeah. And I think people get lost on that. Now, the flip side, if all you want to do is once a month just get fucking sloppy and play a bunch of part a bunch of party tunes at a party, and that that's what you want to do, and Hammer you're not trying out. to yeah. fucking knock yourself out, brother. Yeah, call me up. Let me know when you're gonna play. And about the time you're so blitzed that you can't stand up, that's when I'll leave. But I will come hang out yeah. with you. But when you're doing it in public and you're charging people money, do your fucking job. Yeah, I've always thought that. Yeah, like I said, don't and give the people what they're what they are anticipating don't disappoint them yeah and you always have a you always have a following I, so. i've i've said this for years i wrote about it in the book i i've told anybody that would ever listen i know i've said it a few times on different episodes of the show if somebody gets off their couch hopefully they take a shower they drive to wherever i'm playing they pay find to an park. atm on the way yeah find an atm <laughs> on the way pay to park pay a cover if there is a cover go to the bar and get drinks all night or, and or food. My job is to fucking entertain them. To keep them there. Not only to keep them there, more importantly, to entertain them. Yeah. And the only reason I've worded it that way is because there are a lot of people in Louisville, especially I've noticed, that will go from bar to bar to bar. Yeah. They have a plan when they leave. So I don't, I don't focus so much anymore on keeping them because if they're going to see their other friends or if they have other plans... Yeah, you're just another stop on the tour. I'm another stop on the tour, exactly. Yeah. But while they're there, for the hour they're there, or the two hours, or the 45 minutes, I will fucking entertain them, or I will try my damnedest to. Yeah. And I think that gets lost on a lot of people. Yeah, because, yeah, I used to jump club to club to see all the different people I knew. Mm-hmm. And when I was listening to one of your older podcasts, I didn't know you played in Heaven Hill. I was there at Phoenix Hill for a big show you guys had. There. Oh, were you? Yeah. Nice, yep. And it was an interesting night because I was there, I was... Not long after I got divorced, and there's this friend of mine. She uh, she was single. She was lesbian though, and her and I are both at the club together. And nice. I, and it, it was it was fun and different. Going, hey, how do you like that girl? Ah, she's pretty nice. So it's like here here I am with a lady taking notes on these other ladies. So That's I'm like, we could take her back to the house and confused had this lady totally confused in the morning and it's like we never fulfilled anything but it was just fun but i remember at that show heaven hill was playing there and you guys freaking tore it up oh nice thanks man that's that's a um no longer it's not anymore but for a long time that was a that was a sore subject with me because that's what brought me up here that band is how i wound up in louisville Mm -hmm. Um, and all the shit went, that went down was fucked up and shady and stupid and it should have never been because we could have been awesome. I mean, we were awesome. Let me yeah. rephrase that. We could have been 
bigger. Yeah. I'm not, not going to the next here, level. Yeah. yeah. I'm not going to sit here and say we could have been rock stars and famous. That's not what I mean. No. We could have just got to the next level and done some really cool shows. Yeah. And got to hang out and meet with some cool people and made some money, but been, it just yeah, got like all how fucked you, up. How you can say like an A-list, uh, regional sure. opening act. Absolutely. And you can make some good bank on that. Fuck yeah, you can. You but can everybody wants to be like the headliner. It's like if you're a good, reliable do your job right. You can do very well being a regional opener. Oh, absolutely. So, so I, and all that shit's under the under. It's all swept under the rug, and, and everything's fine. Yeah, now. another but, yeah, life. That's, another lifetime. <laughs> yeah, but that's cool that you remember that though, because we. Yeah. I thought we were fucking amazing. Yeah, yeah, tore it up, man. Nice. It what was, else you got? Uh, stage etiquette. Uh oh. New generation compared to old generation. New generation sucks, in my opinion. They don't give a shit what they look like. Yeah. Well. Motherfucker, first of all, take a shower. Yeah. Wash your fucking hair. If you got hair, wash your hair. <laughs> yeah. You you look at me and kind of laugh. I'm being serious. Oh, I've I, seen I, some I, motherfuckers on stage. Yeah. I'm like, dude, wash your fucking hair. Yeah. Whoa. That's just bad. <laughs> but as far as like stage stage performance etiquette, I guess you could say, is it's when I came up through it, it's like when, you know, playing rhythm lead guitars country bands if you if you started stepping on the lead singer's toes oh he made life suck for you oh yeah now it's like whenever anybody gets a break it's like they just musically masturbate as long as they can get it out and just true and that's i've had sat in with other bands would have a a, another guitarist who just would do that for like the whole night and i'm like you have no idea and that's I will be honest with you. I I agree with you 100%. But I honestly only half blame the younger generation and I half blame their audience. What I mean by that is a lot of them, a lot of the younger cats now that are smart, not Mm -hmm. the idiots, but the ones that are smart and they pay attention to shit, they have figured out that, and I can't reach it, but you know what I'm pointing at my fucking phone. Yeah. They have figured out that the majority of the time people in the audience have their phone in their hand. Yeah. Now what they've, what it's hard. And this is just my observation. What's hard to figure out is what are they doing on their phone? Are they texting their friends? Are they taking a live video? Are they taking pictures? What are they, whatever they're doing is irrelevant, mm-hmm. but they have figured out. It seems to me that if they masturbate musically a little bit more, it keeps their interest a little bit more. I don't have proof of this. It's just some observations I've noticed going to see different bands. The other thing is on the band side, a lot of where I blame the younger generation, that's blaming the audience, where I blame the younger generation is they don't have the patience to run through 24 bars or 32 bars of something without changing the groove, whether it's drums, guitar, bass, doesn't matter what the instrument is. It's like snowflake, hold the beat. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, dude, fucking calm down. (laughs) One of the, one of the assignments I used to give to my more advanced students, and I've given it to maybe 12 or 13 kids. Maybe, maybe I would challenge them, set a metronome between 90 BPMs and 120 BPMs. Pick a groove, preferably a two-bar phrase, yeah, and play that groove for one hour without adding, changing, taking away nothing. You play that two-bar phrase the same way every two bars at whatever you set your yeah. metronome at for an hour. Guess how many of them did it? 
big fat zero. Zero. Guess who the only other person I know that's ever done it? Probably somebody that was over 30. My, yep. <laughs> my, my old drum instructor that gave me the assignment. Huh. And it took me about seven, eight months to actually accomplish yeah. it. And I can do it. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I could do it now because I haven't worked on it in a while. And my brain is too. It's an extreme, extreme example of music self-discipline. But yeah. half of them couldn't even do it for 15 minutes. Well, it's then I guess it works into another question I had. Click track, friend or foe? Friend. Yeah. Because you can, I've had, first time I went in the studio in Austin, it's like, click track. I've never had to do this. And it's like, <laughs> what the hell? Oh, shit. But then uh, next time I went in the studio, uh, I was telling this older guy about it. He goes, dude, you can find a groove in everything. Make that that click track your bitch. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I went in there with a whole different attitude. I found the groove in a click track. If you can do that, you can do the anything. Door, yeah. I, I've never I've never been a f- viewed them as the enemy. I've never viewed them in a bad way. I used to be scared of them yeah. because I didn't understand. Make you them. honest is what it does. Oh yeah, it totally yeah. makes you honest. Um I used to be scared of them. Now where I don't like a click track, where I really would prefer and it doesn't bother me if it's there, but if I had my druthers. You know, like that big word I used? Yeah. It's actually a small word. Uh, Phenomenal. Tremendous. <laughs> um, it's like in the old school funk, especially like the Stevie stuff yeah, and all that yeah. shit. I don't want to click in that. Yeah. I want that you to want organically to yeah. move and breathe and all that shit. Don't fuck with it. Don't re-record it with a click. Leave it alone. Now, when but, you do use click, do you play on top of it or behind it? It depends. Okay. Uh, and this is going to come out arrogantly for my drummer buddies, so don't take this arrogantly. It depends what the situation calls for. I've practiced and played with a click so much that I know how to maneuver around it without getting off beat. Gotcha. Yeah. So it just depends. My natural kind of sit place, so to speak, mm-hmm. where I live, if I'm not paying attention, I tend to play slightly ahead. Okay. Just a smidge. So you like it, like to have the feeling of it catching up to you instead of you catching up to it. Mm-hmm. Okay, yep. I know it's pretty technical for a guitar player to ask a drummer. <laughs> so no, 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 no. It's it's good that a guitar player actually likes a click. I wish yeah. more of my guitar player friends would play two clicks. Make the click your bitch, and you'll be happy with it. Shit, just start out by making it your friend. Yeah, let's well, try that. Yeah. <laughs> Take it out for some drinks, wine it, dine it. Sixty nine beats per minute. <laughs> can squeeze it and pet it and call it George. <laughs> right, before we get out of here, what else you got? As far as questions? Yeah. Well, I know you got other topics too. So. Oh, no. I'm, a, I'm almost done with you. Oh, really? Yeah. I'm not sore yet either. <laughs> uh, okay. Have you been in a, been in a band experience that, that either wasn't one on the stage that either make, made or broke the band? Like, it would be that moment when you find out that, oh, this guy just isn't going to do it. That you find that a light bulb clicks off, you're just hauling dead weight. That it just, that it ends the band? Or that member gets replaced? Because that's, that's two different questions. That, I guess, from there on that you got, it's just like, okay, this ain't going nowhere. Oh, yeah, for yeah. sure. I can't think of a specific example. Um, I do know that there was a couple times where, we were fo- we were trying to form something, and this is back 15, 20 years ago. Um, we were trying to form something, and people would present all this shit, and 
we'd come in and we'd rehearse one time and everything sounded great. And then they would come back and the gear that they had wasn't theirs that they brought to the audition. And they, they didn't have a guitar or they didn't have a car or what the hell ever yeah. the, the case was. And two or three rehearsals, you're trying to get some shit going. And it's just like, uh, you sold me a bill of goods. I'm the asshole for buying your bill of goods. But yeah, yeah we're done. This ain't going nowhere. Yeah, I've been so there yeah, too. I've been there. Yeah. And I've also been in this situation where I started a band, uh, Pick the players that I wanted. One, the one of the guitar players was referred Except to for me. me. <laughs> Waiting for your crocodile tears to finish before I finish my Puddin story. Wooden tears. <laughs> Would you say wooden tears? Wooden tears. Wooden tears. <laughs> I like that better than crocodile tears. I'm taking that. Um, it, the well played, by the way. So I formed. No, this is a few years ago. So I formed this band. The guitar players recommended to me or referred to me. Uh, came in. Everything went great. We kept growing as a band. He stayed where he was. Oh, I've been there. Yeah. And it, I had to make that decision. Yeah. And I didn't want to do it because as a human, I, I fucking liked the guy. Oh, yeah. He was awesome as a human. But like I sat down, we sat down with a recording, um, a live recording from a show and said, you need to fix this. That's you. It's yeah. clearly you. Uh, you need to fix it. He never fixed it. And I, I had to let him go. And it sucked. I hated doing it. Yeah. And he took it personal. But business is business. Business is business. But I've been in both of those yeah. situations. It's like you you gave him a challenge and he made it his decision not to accept it or step up to it. So that he made that decision, not you. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So. I, the only part about it that I say, the only thing about it that makes me say it sucks is I don't talk to him anymore. And oh. he was a cool dude in that part. Yeah. Sucks, that, yeah. The... the yeah, but on the business end, I don't feel a goddamn bit bad. Yeah, no, that's uh, gotta keep on going. You gotta pull the weeds, to let the flowers grow. Pretty much. So, but. pretty much. Well, let me see. No, it's like looking. I'm taking over your show here. Uh, You're not taking over anything. I'm allowing it. Oh, there you go. <laughs> but yeah, it was like stories from the stage. Oh, and one thing: mm-hmm. if if you want to go on a band building exercise, buy a bus. Take that bus down the road and wait for it to break down somewhere. That will show you right there and then who is real band material and who isn't. Oh, you're I gonna, agree. You're going to have the, because uh, Dave Moody, he had his bus bit the dust about two months after he bought it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, dude, this sucks. I've been in your shoes. You're going to find out who is really the gold in your <laughs> band right now. And because what will happen, it's like you'll find the people that will be resourceful. Mm-hmm. They'll be like, okay, we've got to do this, this, and this. Got people will have enough left on their credit cards. They're like, okay, we need new tire. It's gonna be eight hundred bucks. I got this covered. Yeah. And then you'll have some people will just be like cowered they'll, in the fetal position. They'll disappear. Yes. So both physically and mentally, yeah, they'll disappear. Yeah, they'll just get that that mommy, mommy, don't, <laughs> yeah, mommy, daddy, don't yell anymore. I don't know like, what to do. I don't know yeah. what to do. But yeah, that's it's if it's it's expensive way, but you'll find out you mm-hmm. know where the rubber meets the road. So. Oh, for sure. For sure. All right, I'm done letting you interview me. Okay. Um, before we get out of here, where can everybody find you, and do you have any shows coming up soon? Oh, I didn't bring my damn band calendar. But go to... Go Good job, jackass. I brought notes to interview you with. You didn't ask me what I'm listening to, though. I didn't do social media issues, or what are you listening to? So I didn't I didn't do Social media issue, the only thing I say, be happy, happy, positive, positive. <laughs> I mean, oh, I just... I, I know they're a couple really great players in town that must they they have to get some 
them intervention for being bipolar because the, mm. one day it's the greatest thing in the world. Two days later, pity potty, pity potty. Oh, it's yeah. It's like, I dude, it. be positive. And, uh, another lesson from Brother Dave. I mean, oh, yeah. Because, yeah, I've been at times, it's like, oh, I just want to flame that person out. But it's like, no, got to be the bigger person. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, be a grown-up. Or handle it in private if it's something that yeah, has yeah. to be handled. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. You know, just you know, say, hey, I need to talk to you. No, yeah, don't don't be a bitch about it. <laughs> so. Sorry, was that my New York attitude coming out? No, not at all. <laughs> yeah. All right, then what are you listening to? Uh, mostly, like I said, I listen to alternative Yeah, that's stuff. great. Yeah, that's no, I'm just great. kidding. Yeah. <laughs> Listen to my foot on the side of your head. Yeah, hey, listen to this shit. Yeah. No, seriously, what are you listening uh, to? She, uh, one, uh, Jason Isbell uh, from uh, his newest CD, Live from Ryman Auditorium. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. 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 Guy from Drive-By Truckers. Thing, I've, I've always been a Drive-By Truckers fan. And even back when he first got the gig with them is when I really started getting into that band. I'm like, damn, he took my gig. <laughs> I knew he, I would, there was far-fetched I could ever get something like that, but... Just uh, one thing I like about him, every show you go to or you'll hear about him, he introduces everybody in his band, every show. Right. If that's something so simple could be done, but not everybody does it. Right. And to me, that just seems like, as far as music, musician-wise, it takes him up another level. Oh, I agree. Book. I agree. So it, it's, I think it's understated. A lot of... I'm trying to find my words because it seems more common in the pop world that they never give their onstage musicians credit. They're not predisposed to announcing the other people that support them. It's right. It's <laughs> in it, but it, and it's not even announcing them. It's give them credit. Yeah. Like one of the things I like about I love pink. I don't know if you know that about me. Not okay. just the color. Oh, the artist. I've played she's some of tunes. Yeah, she's a she fucking is badass. Straight up cool. Yeah. And we saw her at Yum Center, one of the greatest shows I've seen, and she took a good 10 minutes out of her whole show and introduced everybody in her band and had a conversation awesome. with a few of them and a few of them got to show off quote unquote, some of their licks and, mm -hmm. but she made it a part of the show. It wasn't just, she introduced I her like band. I like to take my band. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, she didn't do any of that. I mean, she had a conversation yeah. with everybody and it was awesome. And I thought that was really, really yeah. cool of her because the, the average person or the average pink fan for that matter it, it's all about Pink and that's it. Yeah. They don't have a clue what the fuck goes into making Pink's music come to life. Yeah, and it gave her band a personality. Yeah, absolutely. So. And it was really, really cool. So. All right, what else are you listening to? Is uh, that it? One record? No. Well, you bring you, it up and then you give me one record. No. God uh, damn it. Whitey Morgan in the 78s. Uh, they were pedal steel guitar player, a guy named Brett Robinson. I, I know him. Very, very cool cat. Nice. And uh, excellent steel player. He's one of the newer generation ones. It's really catching everybody's ear. He's just gotten a bunch of endorsements and stuff, and it's like uh, excellent player, really cool cat. And what's funniest about him, you see a picture of him, it looks like you could have gotten a steel guitar player from 1973 in, in the, the big hat country era. And oh, Brent nice. looks just like that polyester shirt, pants, and he'll play that part. That's his. That's kind of his character he plays. But right. very, very cool cat. He's he's best steel player I've had a chance to sit down and meet and play with and stuff like that. Very nice. cool cat. Where's he from? Uh, Arkansas. I think originally he's where he's from. Arkansas. Yeah, Arkansas. <laughs> he got a pretty mouth. Sure, he got a pretty mouth, boy. Yeah. Arkansas and. 
Somebody else he played with was Josh Card, who also played with uh, Whitey. And I've, I played pedal steel with Josh for when he came through town a few times too. And so just uh, and again, they're kind of the throwback outlaw country type stuff. So, nice, very yeah. cool. Yeah, I got that. And new new rock bands, Greta Van Fleet. What do you think about them? I don't have an opinion either way. Yeah, I, 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 I really don't. It's throwback seventies. It is. I mean, they're good at what they do. They're young kids. They yeah. broke through. They're making some waves, making yeah. some money. Leave them the fuck alone. Get over yeah. it. Just stop. They're making a living. We're not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and and I know we didn't do an, an actual real segment of social media issues and what do you listen to and stories from the stage and all that shit, but that goes back to social media issues. Stop being so fucking negative. Yeah. There's a difference between being jaded, i.e. me. I'm jaded and I freely admit it. But I'm jaded because I've been burnt a million and one fucking times. Oh, yeah. That doesn't mean I'm negative. Yeah. I skew a little towards negativity. Absolutely. I admit it. I'm not saying I'm a saint, but I don't bust anybody's balls. Mm-hmm. I, I don't give a shit if I think that band sounds like garbage. You know my rule. I never say anybody sucks. But if I think they sound like garbage, I'm still going to tip my hat to them. They're making more money than Especially I am. Especially they got a full haul. Yeah. You can't deny. Fuck no. <laughs> yeah. They're touring. They're doing it for a living. Yeah. Good for them. And they're young. I don't think yeah. they're very old. I think uh, they're like, what, early 20s? Yeah, at the most. Yeah. yeah. They play old vintage gear. So yeah, fucking good for them. I like good for them. It's just, shut up. So yeah. so what? They they sound like a little bit of Led Zeppelin. We all know. God forbid anybody compares anything to Led Zeppelin. Just because he used the B Bender too doesn't mean that <laughs> Brad Paisley based everything on him. So. Right. It's just it. Listen, I'm a purist to a point. Music has been around since the dawn of time. Since they started knocking two dinosaur bones together. Yes. I hate to tell you fuckers, <laughs> nothing is original anymore. Yeah. It is 2019 and Prince is dead. Yeah. FYI. And ch- so is Chuck Berry. Yeah. yeah. So is Chuck. I mean, it's stop. And Bo Deadly. Yeah. <laughs> stop. Every yeah. Something is going to remind you of something. Yeah. It, every song's been sung. Every word's been wrote. Pretty much. From so. here on out, something is going to remind you of something. And it's okay. I think people need to realize, I mean, look at me. I'm 44 years old. I was born in 1974. It was around the height of Led Zeppelin's heyday. Yeah. 44 years ago. <laughs> Think of the music that has come out in the last 44 years. Hey, well, I was born the number one song, Beatles, I Want to Hold Your Hand. Right. <laughs> so. I mean, and that was 54 years ago. Yeah. Just think of, I think, and this is where I get a little jaded and cynical and I get on my soapbox. I think that's where people don't stop and think because they're so quick to judge. Yeah. Fucking relax. Do the research. Not only do the research, but just fucking relax. You're on your couch eating fucking Doritos. They're touring the country. Love them, like them, or hate yeah. them. They fucking win. They got craft services. You've got craft dinner in a box. <laughs> exactly. That's good. I like that. I'm stealing it. But no, seriously, they win. What are yeah. you mad about? Yeah. I don't give it. Support them. You know. Kingdom Come. Do you remember that band oh, from yeah. the 80s? Oh, yeah. That awesome. band. Awesome. Phenomenal band. They sounded a lot like Led Zeppelin. Yeah. But you know what? They filled that gap that when no one sounded like Led Zeppelin. Exactly. <laughs> and I think Kingdom Come sounds way more like Led Zeppelin than Greta Van Fleet, personally. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. Was that Lenny, what was his name? Lenny Wolf or what the fuck ever it was? That dude sounded a lot like Robert yeah. Plant. 
But I think people just get they get too shitty about it, and they it's almost like they take it personal. What do you What do you care? Yeah. What do you, What? Why is it such a big deal? Now, if Greta Van Fleet came out and they look like Led Zeppelin, they played the same oh, kind yeah. of gear. They are Led Zeppelin tribute the, with yeah, a different name. Yeah. You're a Led Zeppelin tribute with a different. Yeah. Then I can see you kind of having an issue going. All right, kids, seriously. Now, flip side to that is if you come out as a Led Zeppelin tribute, then okay, better have you do all together. Led Zeppelin yeah. songs. Knock yourself out. Yeah. I, I think people just get too up in arms about the wrong fucking shit. Yeah, they just get... It's like anything else. They're just getting so polarized. It's like either totally right or totally wrong. Yeah. So. It, there is a middle ground. There yeah. is a gray area. There used to be more of one. <laughs> I know. I wish there was more now. I mean, it's... Listen, if you don't like something, awesome. Turn doesn't the dial. Mean, that doesn't mean it yeah. sucks. That doesn't mean your buddy doesn't like it. Yeah. And don't try to convince him otherwise. If he likes it, Cool. You guys want to rag each other, rag each other. That's not what I'm getting at. But fucking calm down. Yeah. It's no big deal. I love my Sabian symbols. I've had people try to argue with me that so-and-so is better or Zildjian is better or Peisty's better. I've played Peisty. I don't have anything against them. I'm endorsed by Sabian. They yeah. win. They win. They came after me. They educated me on how their symbols are made. The way that I hit, Sabians are actually better than me. I break less of them than I do Pisces. They're a better tool in your toolbox than exactly. what the other ones could Doesn't be. mean the other tools yeah. suck. Has nothing to do with that. Oh, and for all you Zildjian fuckers, they're owned by the same family. Um, yep. But it, <laughs> but it, it, it annoys me when people get so adamant. Yeah. And so, ugh, I'm an opinionated motherfucker. I will give you my opinion. Damn New Yorker. I know, right? This I will give water. you... It's <laughs> in the fucking water, right? Yeah. Um, I'll give you my opinion. And then that's the end of it. I'm not going to push it on you. Mm-hmm. What you do with the information, that's on you. Yeah. Now, I do think sometimes, since we're talking about me, to my own detriment, I don't push hard enough. That's how sometimes I think I get overlooked. But it happens very few and far between. Yeah. Because I'm just, I'm not going to push you into something. If you don't like that fucking amp right there, I don't care. Yeah. If you like it, that's fucking awesome. Let's talk about it. If you don't like it, oh well. It's in it. I think I've had one of those. (laughs) Does that mean you like them or you don't? Yeah, it's okay. All right, it's a good one. Yeah, I'll fill this room up. (laughs) (laughs) I know that by experience. True, very, very true. But I think it's this. It's the same reason why I don't. I'm not a fan of Neil Peart. I'm not a fan of John Bonham. I'm not a fan of a lot of the quote unquote early drum gods Mm -hmm. because for so long they were pushed down my throat. Yeah. And it pisses me off. Don't push it down my throat. Now, knowing what I know now, obviously, after being on this planet for so long, Neil Peart, absolute fucking innovator. I'm still not a fan of him mm-hmm. because I think he's too mechanical. That's why I don't like him. Okay. I will never be as good as that guy. Let me clarify that. <laughs> I will never be as good as that guy. He does not suck. I just don't like him. Yeah. It's, it's just my thing. That, it's my it's taste. That genre, that how he plays it, it's just, yeah. It's not, it's not even the genre because I'm a huge Dream Theater fan. Okay, yeah. It's not even the <laughs> genre. I just, I don't like his playing. Mm-hmm. John Bonham, same thing. John Bonham was a phenomenal rock innovative drummer. I, everybody knows that. To me, and what I know musically and what I know about drums, I respect him more for the sound he got than his playing. Yeah, now, 
And Nobody then, sounded like. Oh, him. that was all the the but, recording, right? Of how they set him up too, and right. he he would use that as one of his tools he could pull. Absolutely, from. So. but a lot of the stuff, and he's even gone on record, and you have to dig it up, but he's gone on record to say that a lot of the stuff that he played, he got from other drummers. One being Carmen Apice. Yeah. yeah. So even back then, it was kind of the same deal. It's like fucking relax. Yeah. Don't push anything down my fucking throat. But it's. I got off on a tangent. I didn't mean no, to. No, that, that's cool. That's but it's it's this it's the same thing. It's calm down. Everything is fine. <laughs> the house isn't going to burn down. <laughs> Nothing's going to burn down. Relax. They're on tour. They're doing their thing. Fucking yeah. good for them. So, so there you go. And I guess for me, the other other music I listen to all put me in a good mood. JJ Gray and Mofro. I don't know if you listen to them or like them. Love that band. Oh, I love that. I had a chance to go see them and I could not because I was booked that night. Now it's same pissed. here, man. I, I was, was so pissed. Was that when they came here a couple yes. years ago? Yep, I was booked that night. Yeah, I was so mad. Stacy yeah. goes, "You got a gig on that? Fuck!" She was uh, mad too. A good time music. I mean, oh, yeah. yeah, I've got it out in my iPod in the car, and it's just like having a having a shit day. Turn on some JJ. Oh yeah, JJ is cool and. Uh, Along those lines is Alabama Shakes. Oh, yeah. The, they they kind of put me in that JJ kind of mindset. The first time I saw them on like Saturday Night Live, they were on there, and it's like, holy crap, there is some hope for young kids in music. <laughs> I was like, oh. it's like, you know, this, the, the, the lead singer, uh, Brittany, I can't remember her I last don't, name. I don't know her name. I had no idea. She was out there. She just sang it with conviction. It's like, Oh, yeah. She's a badass. Oh, yeah. I don't know her name. And, She's a badass. And, the, yeah, they just... Uh, Ex- excellent band that's why i was like you know what kind of you see them you know like the hair stands up on your arms it's like oh yes oh, someone's yeah. here to save us they're, so. they're fucking awesome oh yeah all right dude before we get out of here where can everybody find you where's all your shit uh plug all your shit should i say <laughs> okay well you hit me up on the facebook thing lauren c fountain middle initial c and you'll have to email me to ask me what that c stands for I don't want to. Yeah, sometimes it's scary ride. Keep your hands in the car. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and uh, you see, keep just keep your hands in the car. Yeah, you see, I'll be playing up the Alan Lane Band. Uh, go to our site, alanlaneband dot com, and then uh, your second favorite band will be at Tim Tam uh, Tim Tam Tavern on. I'm trying to remember if it's Hess or Hess Lane. It's off Popper Level Road, right across from uh, Saint X. Right. Uh, we got oh, we got a gig out there. Uh, end of next month. Once again, go to Facebook. Look up Lorn L O R N, middle initial C, Fountain, like mm-hmm. water fountain, and that's where you'll find all those dates at that I will post. Find all your shit. Find all my shit. Sweet. Well, dude, thank you for taking the time. I appreciate it. Thank you for inviting me, man. This, this has been very cool. So nice. I, you know, just. Well, I hope you, know. you had a smidge of fun. Uh, yeah, I'll have to pull it out of my my brand new Chucky e. T to show you though. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. The night you came and auditioned or tried out or whatever you want to call it, you had on a pair of Chucks too. Yeah, I pay attention. Yeah, you fashion maven, you. I know. I mean, look at me. Yeah, yeah. Got the plaid shirt on, like you're from up north. Whoosh. You gonna go deer hunting or something? <laughs> For those that can't see me, it is not a red and black plaid like a fucking mountaineer shirt. It's white and gray that matches my white chucks. I win. Yeah. It's like a sad grunge look. <laughs> Faded, sad grunge look. <laughs> I think that's a good thing to end it on. That's awesome. You win, fucker. We're out of here.
Hey guys, this is Steve Owens from Fascination Street Podcast here with a very important message. I'm awesome. I bet you thought I was going to say something else, but nope. What's important here is that I am awesome. I have a podcast called Fascination Street, and it allows me to bring to my listeners some of the most fascinating stories and guests. I started this show because I truly believe that everybody has a story, and I'm fascinated to hear those stories. In the short time I've been doing this show, I've interviewed actors, directors, writers, inventors, podcasters, musicians, pro athletes, Olympic athletes, actual war heroes, even a Bond girl and a luthier, whatever the hell that is, and of course, regular people. From people who wanted to be stars but never gave it a real try, to big company CEOs and people who got to meet their favorite president. I love getting to meet and speak with people who have a story to tell. I feel like everyone does, and it's my job to get them to tell it. You never know who my next guest will be, an Academy Award-winning actor, a platinum-selling musician, or your own mother-in-law. But one thing is for certain, you will be fascinated by their story. So come take a walk with me down Fascination Street. You can find this show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and of course, FascinationStreetPod.com. Well, that's it, kids. That's the show for the week. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you got something out of it. I hope you got a few laughs out of it, at least. I know we had a good time hanging out in my rehearsal room in front of my beautiful Gretsch drums. The home base for my <gasps> secret project. But uh, I hope you dug it. I hope you'll check him out. I hope you'll go support him wherever he's playing. Like I said, he's a good dude. And I'm pretty sure if you're listening to this, you made it to the end of the show. So you have got kind of a good sense that he is a good dude. I used good too many times there, but I mean it. He's a good dude. So check him out. Make sure you keep in touch with him. Keep up with him. Follow him. Make sure you go support him wherever he's playing. And uh, that's it. I am keeping the end of this short. I have a lot of shit on my plate. I uh, I decided that I was going to try and shove 25 pounds of shit in a two-pound bag, and it's not working out for me. So I'm out of here. Make sure you check out my sponsors. Make sure you check out my website, barstarpodcast.com. Make sure you go to Amazon through the front door of my website. Go buy some shit. Go see some shit. Go rent some shit. And uh, as I say at the end of every episode, go do some shit. Seriously, go. Beat it. Get the fuck out of here. Go do something. Go uh, see Lauren play. Go uh, learn a new instrument. Or go get better at your instrument. Or go practice. Or go rehearse. Or start a band or something. Anything. Just go do some shit. Just go do all of it. Everything you can possibly fucking do, just go fucking do it. So until next time, I will talk at you soon.